Are you tired of stressing out about your marketing? Wondering how to boost your online presence, attract more clients, and become a go-to expert in your field? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Marketing Chat Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm a marketing strategist, podcast coach, and the best-selling author of the Podcast Launch Playbook. I'm here to help you get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. Throughout this podcast, my guests and I have shared information on getting traffic and clients through organic methods, that is primarily using search engine optimization. Another method I've rarely mentioned is using ads and pay-per-click, and that's what today's guest, Andrew Zimmer, is going to talk about. Andrew Zimmer is the vice president of Zimmer Law Firm, the leading Pittsburgh estate planning law firm. Prior to working with Tracy Zimmer to found Zimmer Law Firm, Andrew spent over a decade as an engineer and manager at Bechdel, Rolls-Royce, and Northrop Grumman. Welcome, Andrew. I'm so happy you're here today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. This is going to be definitely a lot of fun to talk about because uh, I think I've got a unique background that comes in and we're going to help some people. Somebody take something out of this and can add some revenue and get some more traffic. It's going to be really special. Absolutely. Yes. I was mentioning to you before we started that I have done a couple of Google ads and just really have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) So this is going to be awesome. And I know lots of listeners out there have questions about it. And I am so excited to do this with you today. Absolutely. So first you are in Pittsburgh, just like me. How long have you been here? Are you from here? Yeah, so I, I was born here. Um, I grew up out in Beaver County. Um, you went to college in, in Erie and in Gannon. I moved away, did some things in the Baltimore and DC area, and then came back in 2011 and have been here ever since and have since located to the South Hills in McMurray, Venetia, Peters Township area. But Pittsburgh has really always been home and I think always will be. Yeah, it's awesome here. I've lived here for just about 21 years now, even though I'm from Houston, Texas, lived in Boston, Wilmington, North Carolina, Querétaro, Mexico briefly. And yeah, just love it here. It's it's really fabulous. The people are just wonderful. I love the seasons, which you don't have in Houston. And, uh, and they're not brutal like Boston. Um, and yeah, the geography, the rolling hills, the three rivers, the bridges. I know that's man-made, but you know, it's just fabulous. It's a special place. I think if you're into, you know, food, drink activities, <gasps> nice people, um, and seasons, I think that's a big one for me is I do like snow, but at some point yeah. we've had enough and it's time to transition yes. into spring, summer, and then <laughs> see leaves change and have a nice, really special fall and then do it all over again. I, I don't, there's few places probably better than here for that. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, and you mentioned the food. Yes. Restaurants. So good. And I don't keep up with the sports, but I do love the Penguins hockey and the art scene is just amazing. So whatever you're into, Pittsburgh has it. It really does. Yeah. Uh, so tell us a little about your background. I'm really fascinated that you went from engineer and manager, you know, at Bechdel, Northrop Grumman, Rolls-Royce, and, and now this, you know, starting a law firm. So. Yeah. I, you know, when I graduated my electrical engineering degree or took my first job in, you know, kind of doing defense contract work in the intelligence industry, I never would have thought I would be working with my wife, overseeing a growing law firm and doing anything like this. I mean, this was 180 degrees out of what I could have ever imagined. 
but I learned a lot of really special, really good technical skills. I've got a math and computer science background with it. And ultimately, I think it's about solving problems and working with people and doing things that can feel impossible and just finding a way forward. I, I really don't believe in, no, it can't be done. We can't do this. You just keep working until you find it because that's really all we ever did in engineering. And so when, you know, Tracy and we got, ultimately we got married, she had been growing a practice with other firms and said she was going to go out on her own. I wanted to support that. And we kind of quickly found that we had this overlap in wanting to be entrepreneurs and some overall vision, but otherwise she's a the legal mastermind that knows how to do all of this. That's not my world. I was able to help more on running the business in marketing, um, finance, some growth over there. And we were able to kind of Join forces kind of become this like superhuman from a business perspective, and it's allowed us to just explode. Wow. How did you get into that marketing role at the firm? So, yeah, I'll kind of step it back. We had, the, the firm was pretty new. We were working with an agency to do search engine optimization at the time. And I knew nothing about it other than I felt like they were changing the website for the worse, we weren't seeing any up, like we weren't moving up in the search results. And I, it doesn't happen overnight, but it just, it felt like everything they were doing was kind of backwards and opposite of what I was learning. And I think I did the engineer thing and said, I can do this better. Went full in, bought every tool you could get, bought 30 or 40 books and invested probably the next 500, 600 hours of work mm -hmm. into learning how to do it. And all of a sudden went, oh, we're starting to rank. And we started doing the organic side. And went, I think I'm pretty good at this. I'm starting to write copy. People were saying, I came here because I saw this page and it connected. And that's why I'm working with you guys. And went, but maybe I'm actually kind of good at this. This is totally never what, what I thought I would be doing, but it's working. So I invested more time, learned more. And that all of a sudden kind of turned into, I'm the marketing guy now. Wow. And that is just very cool, like coming at it from an engineering perspective of problem solving, because that's really putting strategy to work in marketing and website design, which is key. I think too many people, and it sounds like your, your web people were doing this, too many people come at web design from just a design, like, you know, the visuals perspective, which is really just one piece of it. And yes, a website needs to look great, of course, but it has to look great strategically. You know, you want to keep visitors on your website in order to eventually convert them into clients. You know, it's not going to happen necessarily on the first visit, but it has to convert. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, I went from, I had visited other people's websites and sometimes they worked, sometimes they didn't, I didn't understand it to then really conceptualizing. And now I function so much of my time on always building the narrative, right. And building mm -hmm. that brand and that emotional touch point and pain points of so many people go that website, that page I visited, that was me. You, how did you know? Like that was me. And I go, that means I did my job. <laughs> I yeah. connected with them as they read down through and it, they, they go, that's me. That's me. These people help this thing. I must reach out. You know, I tell a lot of people, I do a lot of sales and I do a lot of marketing. Marketing will trump sales every time because these people come in going, I must work with you. Just tell me how to do it. <clears throat> Very true. Yeah. I just interviewed another guest about uh, sales. And one of the things we talked about was how if your marketing is just right, then you almost don't need sales 
because the marketing does the job, the marketing pre-sells people. And that sounds like exactly what you're saying there. Yeah, absolutely. We don't do high pressure. If people don't want to work with us, that's absolutely fine. There's a lot of people that do. And I think a lot's based on the relationships and the other areas. But when you come to the kind of the web and digital marketing side of it for us, these people, the right people, they're warmed up, they're ready to go. They are excited. And we, it's a little bit more than taking an order at that point, but not much. Yeah, right. Exactly. But you really have to know your audience. You really have to know who your ideal client is. And it sounds like you figured that out. We spend a lot of time, you know, creating the avatar, if you will, of who are we trying to work for, for the different buckets of work. And then we build out these pages, information and ways to get in front of those specific people. Um, I was having lunch with someone the other day and they said, you know, I struggle to come up with my ideal client. I said, well, you come up with the one and then you come up with the different areas. We do have some different like practice areas that are different. So it's not always one ideal client. It's like ideal for each segment or ways we help people. And then I specifically target those people with whatever content we're putting out the way they feel like they've been connected with. Some other people still see and it resonates, but I'm not trying to get in front of every single person for every problem. It's very specific problems and, and that's how we address it. Yeah. And that's a huge mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs and small businesses make, isn't it? Even big businesses is trying to appeal to everyone. You know, they say, oh, my service is good for everyone. And that's just not true, is it? No, I could. I mean, I never agree with that. It's, yeah, I think it's better to be the perfect solution for a small group and have them be excited and they'll even spread the word for you than to be a, a tolerable or okay solution for the masses because nobody really is excited. They're just using you because you were probably easy. You're just kind of right there. Yeah. I love that. The perfect solution for a few people. Yeah. That's great. And that's really key knowing who your exact. Uh, ideal client is that's really key for Google ads and paper, uh, uh, pay-per-click too, isn't it? It is. Um, and kind of back with what you said earlier, you know, with using like analytics and data and information for marketing, um, you know, sometimes people, when they get a little peek under the hood, they see all my massive Excel spreadsheets and pivot tables and data that I download and ways that I massage it. And that's the marketing side, right? It's the copy the words, the emotional piece is one very important side, but the other piece is why are we going after certain zip codes? Why are we going after certain demographics? Why do we word things different based on our different demographics? Why do we increase ad spend in this zip code, lower it here? Why do we spend more on certain types of devices? We know which devices people actually engage with our firm with and which ones don't. We look at all of that. And that's, I think, where the success comes from is what for most people are incredibly boring details. That's what mm -hmm. I get excited for. That is so cool. Yeah, you're bringing up things that most people, especially solo entrepreneurs or really small businesses, don't think about and don't want to think about, you know, like even looking at your website analytics and you can look at the IP addresses so you know what state and city people are from. You can look at, like you mentioned, what devices people are using, uh, you know, specifically iPhone, uh, Mac, Android, PC, and what kind of browser they're using. And it's like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, it, what do important. people do with that? <laughs> yeah. And some, some, right. Some details don't matter, but some mm -hmm. do it, if you're, but if you're not collecting it, not looking at it, you know, when you have the aha moment, go, oh my gosh, I wonder if this is either the secret sauce or the thing hurting us. 
if you weren't collecting it for the last 18 or 24 months, now you're doing it today to see where you're at in another year. So that's kind of why I say get everything, keep cataloging it, trying to see what makes sense. You don't know what day and when you're going to need that information. Yeah. And it really matters for you and other local businesses, doesn't it? It definitely does. You know, we see things like for us, you know, tablets, people with a tablet, for whatever reason, they take less action. It's mostly mobile, but we mm. still have a lot of desktop computer, laptop users. And I think it's demographic wise where most of our clients, not all, but a huge segment is over 55 and really even over 64. And so that makes yeah. sense. Do they have these devices? Yes, but they're probably still very comfortable on a computer versus doing everything on their phone. Yeah. When I look and segment clients that we get that are in their 30s and 40s, way the other way. I mean, none of them use a computer. Probably most of them don't even own them at this point. Mm -hmm. So again, we can do that. We can ch change ad spend based on those details. So we're not just always leaving it to, to Google. We can then pre-select and say, spend more this way with this group, more this way over here, spend less with somebody else. Mm, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's interesting. When I look at my stats, uh, it turns out that a huge majority visits my site through a desktop and it tends to be Apple, which is cool because I'm an Apple person. But anyway, uh, you normally, I don't know, the, like the wisdom today is that more people are using their phones to access websites. And, and that just tends not to be the case for me. Right. And I was just shocked by that. And see, and that's, I think what's really important is because if you would just go read online right now, it's going to say that everything's mobile heavy and it, in general it is, but here, then if you take everything mobile heavy, really design your website for mobile over desktop, now mm -hmm. you've harmed yourself, right? So again, you have to know your own information to say, yes, this applies to me, but this one doesn't. You have to make again, your own solution for you based on what the data says. And that could change in six or 12 or 18 months. It might not, it might double down to desktop. It could flip and go mobile in four years. You have to see that coming. Right. And you still have to design your website to look gorgeous and be strategic on both mobile and Always. desktop and, you know, and tablet as well, because you just don't know, you know, you can't have it designed specifically for where your ideal client is uh, accessing your site and ignore the others because you never know. Yes. But, Thankfully, yep. responsive websites have made this a lot easier in the past yes. couple of years. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Thank goodness. Okay. So Today, we're talking about paid growth strategies. So can you tell us the difference between paid growth strategies and organic growth strategies? Yeah, I'll definitely share some you know, nuggets. We started on the organic side, right? And organic is where that search engine and you know, you know, Google's, you know, basically all those, the computers, the AI, everything, it's the way that it tears it apart, understands it, ranks it, sees what other people do, did people like it, and puts all that together and determines for a given search term, when you go to Google and type something in, should you appear and where should you appear? How relevant are you to what that person wants based on what they want, the types of actions they take, where they are, and all of those details. It's really hard, but it is really, really a great strategy. However, Google doesn't get paid for that. So ultimately, that's the free service that they provide to get people to use their products. Mm -hmm. They get paid for paid search. And so we dabbled with this. I mean, our first month, we probably spent $200 in ads. And what you do is you, right, you get to go to the top, but it says advertisement next to your search engine result. And that can be a mixed bag. It's in front of everybody that's an advertisement. 
but you're first. And so what we t- tend to see is, is the real, the best strategy for us is being both, being heavy in SEO, search engine optimization for organic results, but spending a lot of money in ads so that we're always at the top, but we're also showing up organically. And I just kind of at the high level, what we have found is that it's an either or. The people that want the first result, click on the first result. The people that want organic, click organic. They don't tend to mix. And so if you're only doing organic, you're going to miss out on clicks on people who just want the first or second thing they ever see. The people who only want organic will always skip the ad, always looking for organic. So to Mm -hmm. capture more pie slices, you have to be in both. That's great. Yeah, very true. And I'm a mixed bag on that, like with what I'll click. I want to see who comes up organically, but I check out the ads too. Because I feel like, okay, they're taking the time to be on page one. And just because they have an ad doesn't mean that they're not worth my time to check out, you know? Correct. And we see that. And so what's, I think, fun on our side, because we're not, you know, I'm not running an agency. I'm doing this from within the law firm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do the consult calls. So when somebody you know, hits the website, sees it, calls, it was because of an ad or organic we use call tracking and some things so I can see what, which way they came into the, like how they found us in search, what they searched usually, which pages they visited. So I kind of know the background of what's going on. And I'll talk to them and if we get them in, you know, how did you find us? What did you like, not like? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it just comes down to this. I just needed someone. I'm not from this area. It looked reputable. The website looked nice. You had good reviews, right? All those things you hear matter to different people. You just don't know which one's going to matter which time. We have people mm-hmm. that I that pick us because of reviews. We have people yeah. who aren't even aware that we had reviews. Mm-hmm. We have people do a click to call from within Google who never visit our website. They yeah. see the snippet, right? Say we like basically we can help click here to call. They yeah. don't even see the landing page that I spent all this time. Right. That was enough to convince them to take an action. We yeah. have people who peruse the whole website and we'll look at it once a week, every you know, every two weeks for the next six months and finally call. It's, so you kind of have to hit it from all these angles to capture these people. There's no just, this is what works. It's really being broad and going all the way in. Very true. Yeah. And that goes against the traditional wisdom of know your client avatar and their buying decision behaviors. You know, like we... We're taught, you know, in marketing that our client avatar has one way to make decisions, you know, like they identify their problem or they become aware of their problem. They look for a solution and, uh, you know, some of them make decisions very quickly based on facts or feelings. Some of them take more time, blah, blah, blah. And today that has changed. You know, we may have this one client avatar and like you were just describing, some of them are going to take longer. And some of them will decide very quickly. And so we can't have necessarily just one process for bringing clients in. We have to respect their different uh, their different decision-making processes. Yeah, and I think that's how we design our funnels then is based mm-hmm. on this concept that people can almost, again, I'm, and I'm not a true marketer. So sometimes I say things, people go, there's a, a term for that or something, but, but they almost need a way, like they have to be able to come into the funnel and then be able to go into another funnel or short circuit to the bottom quickly. 
And we just want to make sure that we don't lose them unless there's zero interest. Even then, if we can get an email, if we can do something that they're willing to take part in to stay in front of them and massage it over time, we do. You know, pre-iOS 14, we could do retargeting really easy. That's been a lot harder now. But before we could track someone and say, if they came, maybe had a 45 seconds on the website or a minute. So they definitely read. They weren't a quick bounce. Let's start serving them some gentle ads, some kind of like FYI things on Facebook and LinkedIn. We can still do it, but it's definitely harder now for the masses. But again, you're always trying to say, well, you know, what kind of little edge can I get to stay in front of somebody to be top of mind? Yeah. Yeah. So how then can Google ads help you overcome that challenge of organically getting onto page one or even page two of Google, you know, and most people don't scroll to page two. I do as, because as a marketing person, I know how hard it is to get on page one or even page two. And so when I'm looking for someone to work with or a blog post to read, honestly, I'll scroll several pages deep because I know how hard it is. And I want to give other people, you know, other businesses a chance to get my eyes on them. Most people don't do that. Yeah. Um, it was part of a strategy and it, it was a test, right? Sometimes we just test theories or I have an idea and I go, let's see what happens. And what it was is we were doing well organically. Okay. Mm-hmm. We could rank for a lot of important keywords, number one or two. The problem is, is that when you would actually search it and the, the visuals you see were one, two, or three ads mm-hmm. because we're local, the map pack, which yeah. was then three results. And then if we were number one, we were then after that. Yeah, And so you go, that is a lot of real estate. Somebody has to scroll through when you kind of talk about above the fold and things like that, they are having to come beyond that to find us, even though we are like the right result is number one. And so I went, how could I short circuit this paying for ads so I can be number one. And then if they don't want that, they can come down and still find me as number one. Yeah. And then if it's the right area, we'll be in the map pack. So we have a lot of searches where we show up three times. Wow. And Again, that's a lot of credibility. If you're showing up that often, you must be good. And so that's kind of been part of our strategy. And so PPC initially for us was just a way to say organic works. We're seeing a little bit of revenue, but not a ton, but people do find us. Can we get out there more and then be much more targeted, right? When you do search engine marketing from the organic perspective, you have to build content around keywords. You're banking on keywords. And it takes a lot of time. If you make a- wrong assumption, or you, you know, you can use the tools, you can see volume, you can look at it and say, is that an actionable set of keywords or like an inquisitive, they're just learning, right? So you take all this to try to come up with the right ones. You still are wrong sometimes. Mm -hmm. PPC, I can go pick 50 keywords, a geographic area, turn it on and people will see it today. Wow. So that's a huge difference, right? We're on organic. Hey, we're on page seven right now. We moved up to page four, right? Those are huge results, but they're not going to get you clicks. Going from four to page two is not going to really get you clicks. No. Two to page and one. And it's not consistent. That no. changes. And then just as you nail it, the algorithm changes and then you get pu- pushed back and it's difficult. So when you're in PPC, yeah. you're paying for it. But now again, it comes down to then, can I convert? Do I have a high converting website? Are my sales teams good? Can I turn that into revenue? If I can, it's totally worth the ad spend. Yeah. So how does pay-per-click work? So it's just like it says, it's pay-per-click. So there's parts that are similar to organic. There's a whole dashboard within Google. We use Bing's as well. And they're similar from the aspect that you pick, you create a campaign, you create ads. So 
And the ad is then going to be like the headline text, the, the text below it, right? So what do I want to show this person from an advertising perspective? What keywords do I want to show up for? You can limit it by demographic or not, device or not. You know, I could say these are only ads to be seen by mobile devices or only mm. computer or just share them to everybody. You can pick, you know, age ranges or gender if you want to or not. You can do some things with income and some things like that. So you pick all these areas. Um, for a lot of local businesses, you're going to be looking at geographics. So we pick zip codes to target all over the Pittsburgh area. But I don't want to show up for someone who needs an attorney in Florida. Right. No use for that. If they're in Florida looking for Pittsburgh, I will, because maybe they have a loved one up here they're trying to help. Yeah. So again, we take all of that in, you build all of this out, and then you put some budget in. Google does it on a daily amount. So you do need to be careful and multiply it by 30 to kind of see what you're getting into on the monthly basis. And then whenever somebody searches that, they take into account the landing page, the quality of the landing page, the quality of the ad, the way you wrote the ad, the keywords and put all that together and say, should your ad be served based on budget? And if so, it you know, puts you up at the top or maybe the second one, sometimes at the bottom of first page and they'll serve your ad. You don't pay for this. You only pay if they click. And that's, I think some of the other beauty too. So like on organic, mm-hmm. we're getting like a name brand recognition for free. Mm-hmm. So they click on organic. Well, they saw us as an ad. Yeah. I don't pay to be seen. I only pay if they click. So that's just, you know, again, another piece. So they, they, they click now I get, you know, billed for it, if you will. Yeah. That's what I'm paying for is to now drive them to the website right now. This is out of Google being whoever your PPC provider is. It's out of their hands. Now it's up to you with, does that tell you know, a story? Is there a narrative? Is it emotional? Is it making them want to take action? That's up yeah. to you, but Google got them there. And I tell that to a lot of folks is don't confuse Google driving traffic with like your revenue side of it. I, you know, pl- bluntly, if your website sucks, but you're mm-hmm. getting traffic to it, Google did their job. Your website didn't do its job. And don't, you know, it's like, do not confuse those two topics. That's great. And so a regular Google ad you pay for, for views. Is that right? So if you're going to the display ads, you know, if you're on a news website, okay, display ad, banners, okay. right? That's where you can sometimes pay that stuff for display. Sometimes that's still okay. per click, but within the Google search result, you only pay if they click. Oh, okay. So if it gets shown 10,000 times and they click five, you pay for five clicks. Okay. Um, now that comes in from a relevancy and the click-through rate on if they're showing it to 10,000 people and you get one click, this is probably not the right result. Right. So, you know, there, there's then, you know, are we above 10%, 15% for the click-through rate to say, you know, we showed it a hundred times, 15, 16 people came through. That's really good. Okay, great. Yeah. That means we should keep showing it. So they're always looking at that real time. Mm-hmm. A lot of the same types of characteristics that organic has, except we're not changing the content on the website to be scanned and understood differently by Google. We just literally say, I want to show up for this keyword right now, or this yeah. is the headline difference where they build them for you on the organic side. It's how Google interprets your website and says, I think this is what's relevant. Let's show it. You tell Google on the PPC side, this is what I want to say. This is what I don't want to say. It gives you much more control. That's great. That makes a lot of sense. What is a good range of, um, of click-through rate for a pay-per-click ad? I find in the 10% range, um, 
you know, different industries are going to be different depending on what you're selling, how kind of aggressive you're being. I mean, there's industries where you probably should be north of 15%. There's probably mm-hmm. industries based on the way you do pricing that five or 6% will be enough for you. Mm-hmm. As long as you're getting what they call quality scores, as long as Google feels it's valuable, they're not penalizing you for it. Then it comes down to the revenue, the way your sales teams work. Is it good for you? So that's where you have to track that. As long as Google, you, you know, you're good in Google's eyes. Mm-hmm. you kind of get to check that off at that point. Then it goes to what works for the way you've built your systems and manage your business. Mm-hmm. Google is very judgy. <laughs> they they are, but they're the number one search engine in the world. Right. All of these people go there. There's a huge trust factor with them. Yes. Uh, we get, a, you know, we get a lot of referrals from relationships, mm-hmm. right? We get a lot of referrals, you know, from Google where they never trusted someone, but that search engine. So think about yes. that as many people as go to their financial advisor or accountant or neighbor or friend and say, do you know, you know, do you know any good attorneys that could help us with an estate plan? There's just as many that go, I'd never ask a soul, but my computer. Yeah, very true. And Google is really uh, even more judgy about SEO you know, they, and that's why it's so hard to get in on page one, page two, because they prioritize sites that are already getting a ton of traffic. Correct. And it's so hard. So for, you know, let's flip gears and say, like, let's talk e-commerce for a minute. You're not, you're not taking over Amazon. They have this brand reputation, this website traffic, even as you make a dent, they've, blown past where they had been three months ago and just made the little dent you made 10 times smaller. And you cannot overcome that really at all, unless you're a huge, I mean, Walmart can barely really do it to them or Best Buy, you know, you selling something from a Etsy store to your own domains, not going to function. PPC, you can show up above Amazon. Yeah. And so that's where it's so hard is, you know, on the organic side, you're just, you're competing with everybody in the full-blown open market PPC, they say you can just pay for it. And mm. a lot of industries, it's reasonable. We pay a lot of clicks, three, four, five, six, seven dollars a click for us. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. There are industries, it's $150, $200 a click. That's a different animal. But for us, mm-hmm. you know, I'll pay four, five, six dollars a click all day long because I know X clicks to our website gets so many phone calls. Of those phone calls, we convert so many to clients. What does our average ticket look like? And you just keep working that all day long and paying for it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And when you're deciding about, I think, or, or let me ask this then, when you're deciding about what you're willing to pay for a pay-per-click, I use like um, Uber Suggest and also AREFs for looking at domain authorities compared to me. Uh-huh. And you can look at that number and, you know, domain authorities in the nineties, that means they're super high. You cannot knock them off of page one, you know, unless you end up in the nineties as well. And so then I think it's really worth, I mean, it's always worth getting a Google ad to, like you said, just put you right at the top. Um, and like you're saying, you need to look at what that click is ultimately worth to you, you know, how much you're charging for your services or your products and what that ROI is going to be on that click. Um, And when you look at who your competition is and where they rank in domain authority, wouldn't that help you decide on 
what you are willing to pay for the, for every click. Yeah. Because if you're there's, I feel like there's two broad camps. This is going to break into you're either competing with national or international brands. And so now it's a way to jumpstart it, except they're going to get a discount, right? Still that brand authority weighs in on the PPC side where Google will say, I'll make them pay $4. I'd make you pay five. Yeah. But if you're willing to spend a little more, you can still jump it. Mm. Flip side is if you're in a niche market or it's much more local, maybe there's 30 competitors, you know, let's talk a landscaping business, right? They're everywhere. Okay. So how many are in your community? How many advertise with a website, do anything remotely tolerable, even from the organic side, or then pay for PPC. And so it can be a way to just sort of like take the market share over from a marketing perspective with little effort for those ones. There's no competition. They are not serving ads or they're serving one ad. So those ones, you can get a pay-per-click of next to nothing. There's no brand authority of anybody anywhere. And it just gets you showing up as like, I need someone to cut my grass and put an irrigation system in. You're the only people who showed up. You you must yeah. be the option. Yeah. And you can find out if they have ads, not just by Googling landscapers in Pittsburgh, but by using Uber suggest it's all typing in them in and it will tell you, do they have Google ads, what their domain authority is, you know, so how you compare to them, what their keywords are. So you can use the same keywords or an, and more importantly, find other keywords that your ideal client and customer are looking for and then rank for those or start to rank for those. And I, I love that you brought that up. So sometimes that is such an important part of the strategy. And the reason I tell this is to, this to people is because if I ask you what you do or ask the average business owner what they do, they usually tell me, unless they're really good at this, They say it at the level of them speaking to themselves or to some other professional that understands it. And they're not saying it to the kinds of search terms or concerns or problems that that client has via Google. And so, so many times, if I'd say, come up with the top 15 search terms for your business, you'd come up with all, people come up with all kinds of search terms. They will never get a click from it. Even if they get clicks, they would never turn into clients because they're just focusing on the wrong types of search terms. They're not actionable. It's not the actual pain point their client has. It's how they perceive and they think from the owner perspective it would be. So when you go there, somebody's been running ads for five years, they're probably succeeding at it. That's why they're still doing it. You can use that to jumpstart. What are some good keywords to go after? You can use that back in your organic strategy. Maybe these are the keywords to go after. Um, And you can build it full circle. And then when we're playing a long-term game, we can get some short-term wins, definitely mid-term wins, but we're playing long-term now. Now I've boosted my organic presence long-term. I'm building a long-term PPC strategy and all why, because I stole like an artist, you know, a great book, you know, copy (laughs) what works, right? I mean, don't invent the wheel. If it's out there, see what's working for people and start there. Yeah. That's a great, great strategy and suggestion. Yeah. And that's what those sites like Uber Suggestion, Uber Suggest and, and ARFs are also for is to help you check out the competition and learn from them. Yeah. So definitely do that. And um, you can also use Google directly for that, you know, type in your main long tail keyword, you know, phrase, not just, so for me, you know, like, uh, so a long term, I can't just type in podcasting, you know, so I teach people how to podcast, but how to start a podcast. Yes. You scroll to the bottom and look at the related searches section. 
And I can see all these other things that people are searching for when they're searching for how to start a podcast. Yes. That's very I, uh, simple. You named those tools. I also really like uh, SEM rush. Again, oh, yes. they're all, they're very similar. They all have you know, pros and cons, but again, these tools like, let you see this. They'll let you see search volume. Again, someone will go, this is, this would be my ideal search term. 50 people search it a month. This one that doesn't feel as good gets 10,000. Go for the yeah. 10,000. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's great. So do you have a few tips that you can leave listeners with for getting started? With yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, don't be afraid to spend a little bit of money. Um, make sure that you've got a good website, I think, first. Yes. Right. Because if it's not going to convert, you drive traffic there, you're going to get frustrated and going to go, I paid for all these clicks and didn't get a phone call or an email or no one bought anything in their cart, whatever your, you know, however your business runs, it's not working. So if the website's not functioning really well, Google ads is not going to fix any problem. It's just going to drive traffic there, make you pay, and you're going to get frustrated. So focus on the website and first that it converts, tells the story. I love the book, Building a Story Brand by Donald yes. Miller, I think. Like yes. that's how I learned how to convince people of what we do. Yeah. That book it's got is a great like, course too. Oh my God. Oh, I've never done it. I've saw it before. Yes. That to me, like that's the kind of like you have to really capture those types of details. Yeah. Once you do that, okay, now we can go spend organically because we can go after these keywords. Find what works. So again, it's worth paying for these tools. They have sometimes they have like a 30-day trial. I mean, if you will hit it hard in that 30 days, you could give yourself a lot of information, cancel, not have to pay for it and get the ball rolling or until you have more revenue. So if you're starting out, you can do that. Once you create a Google ads account and turn it on, they have keyword planner and performance planner, which are tools within in there that you can access once you turn this on that are also similar. You can see search volume, projected amounts of clicks and things like that. So mm -hmm. they will help you set up what's reasonable for what you're trying to accomplish. Um, track everything. Understand you're going to screw some things up. Make your campaigns, break out ad sets so that you can kind of split test, multivariate test and say, you know, this one failed, but this one succeeded. Well, why? You know, what was different? Oh, well, this one, we were selling a slightly different product and that resonated. You know, we've had projects before totally bomb. That's okay. You know, we'll, we come back and work through it. We've had a lot of successes though, because we're able to get in front of people. Um, a couple other big tips I would give would be do not use smart campaigns within Google ads. The reason is it's really easy. It gets you up and running quickly and it will probably show you some wins. The problem is, is that everything you're going to read online and then about how do I optimize this more, all of that control is taken away from you. So then you're gonna have to start back over. And that's what we did. I started with all these smart campaigns. We were seeing ROIs of like 10X, like eight, 10, 12X going, this is working. This is super cool. How do I make it better? You go here, change this, set this bid strategy. That was all things we couldn't do. So I had to fully recreate every campaign we had the like long way to have that control. And so I just wish I would have started there, learned it from the beginning, and it would have saved myself probably 60 hours of work. Okay. So when you don't do smart campaigns, then you're doing everything manually. So it's going to take more time, but you have full control. Complete control. You can change okay. the way it it bids and sets the PPC value based, you know, within it, it's, okay. you can set conversions, right? So Google now works on our behalf that they understand that phone calls or we use Calendly. So if somebody that self-schedules Calendly or calls us, it's what we're looking for. Okay. So now, because we do that, we share that information with Google, the you know, way they can through like Google analytics and with tags, mm -hmm. 
even when someone searches, they're more likely to show our search to someone that's likely to take that action. Wow. So they're already weeding people out. Yes, they wanted to see this, but they don't ever call people. Let's not show it to them. Ooh, how cool is that? Google's yeah. a little bit scary. It's definitely scary. You know, again, if it's, you know, if it's going to work for somebody, it might as well work for us. Mm-hmm. Those are the types of things, you know, read, get invested and just jump in. Um, I did not really have this all figured out. We just said, let's spend a couple hundred dollars. We got those free coupons in the mail that said, you know, spend 150, get 150 free or something. And we just said, let's try. We've done way dumber things for way more money before yeah. and instantly saw revenue coming wow. in and then just said, you know, I don't know. I mean, we probably started it. $300 a month. And we probably spend $10,000 a month now. And I would wow. double it tomorrow. And I think we're starting to saturate our market mm-hmm. and we're paying now more per conversion mm-hmm. because we're kind of the upper end of those curves. And so it's, what can we get into a new geographic market? Can I basically mm-hmm. scale and just do this all over again? But people go, you know, does it really work? I would not spend this much money unless it was paying a ton. Yeah. It does. You just get in, see how it works for your industry. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you so much for all of these tips and all of this insight. I have learned a ton and I'm sure my listeners have as well. This is great. Absolutely. How can listeners find you to learn more about you? I try to be really active on Instagram and LinkedIn with different types of content there. So Andrew underscore Zimmer on Instagram um, and LinkedIn. I can get you you links if you want that. That's Um, great. Yeah do that. I'm getting ready to launch um, a website. So, you know, it's kind of a holding place right now, but we're getting ready to launch andrewzimmer.com where again, I can just try and get more of this content out to people and information really like to just help people. You know, I had some really good mentors. And so we're trying to give a lot of free content and just things to help people out. If they get to a certain size or certain point, we'll find some classes or courses for them, but we're really trying to give a lot to just help the solopreneur entrepreneurs that are going from really starting to say, you know, can we help jumpstart you to a higher point? Because I wish I had a little more of that. So that's what we're trying to do and help people with and um, just kind of get them rolling. That's awesome. Well, I will share all of those links in the show notes and on this episode's page on my website. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's been awesome to have you here. And I really appreciate you sharing all of this. You're welcome. Thank you. Great. Well, uh, thank y'all for being here today. I would love it if you would leave positive rating and review. You can leave comments on this episode's page on my website, link in the show notes, and I'll be back in a few days. So see you next time on the Marketing Chat Podcast.